Welcome to Ride Over Stride, episode 74. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I am here again with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Hey, Van, what's up? Hey, Miss Laura. Um, Man, everything is wonderful. I don't know how about you guys are up there in North Texas. Oh, and by the way, we'll be going up there uh, very soon. We're coming up to North Texas, as folks may know. Football and Texas is a whole separate religion, so we're going to go up there and pay our homages to my old uh, alma mater, what used to be called East Texas State University, is now called Texas A&M Commerce. So we're going up there to their opening opening season game. Looking forward to that trip. But I, in a way, Laura, I'm, I'm really excited because um, the, my favorite two times a year are spring, because I love to see everything turning from old from that winter stage into that spring stage where everything grows. My second favorite time of the year, just because I'm usually tired of the heat of the summer, is fall. And that second part of fall is the fact that it's it's football season. And I have to say, I, I am very much a football fan when it comes to especially college football. Love to go see my, my old alma mater play. Well, and they had a pretty good season last year, didn't they? You betcha they did. They were national championships. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you asked that, boy, I tell you. Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, you know, it's the program's always been pretty successful. I think they've had a couple of years uh, there that they were kind of struggling. And just like an old line fashion, they, they came back with a vengeance and had several successful seasons and then eventually topped it off last year with the national championship. And even this year, they're, they're ranked number one. So we'll see how that goes. I'm very excited to go see them and, and get rolling. And also very excited to get back to North Texas and say hello to to all of our friends and family up in that part of the country. Are you doing any clinics or anything while you're up here or just having fun? Well, I'm glad you asked that too. A lot of folks don't know, but I'm also on the uh, Equine Advisory Council for my old alma mater, which is Texas A&M Commerce now. And again, back then it used to be called Texas A&M, or I'm sorry, it used to be uh, East Texas State University. So we are going up there to have a meeting with a clinic that we're or for the purpose of a clinic that we're going to be doing up in that area. So we want people to be sure and and watch and pay very close attention to our website. We will be making announcements on this, both on our website as well as on the Texas A&M Commerce website, that we'll be doing a one-day clinic only uh, up there, and it's going to be on Saturday, and I'm not going to reveal the date just yet, but we will do it on a Saturday afternoon. And um, it's we're really looking forward to it, Laura, because what we're going to be doing is we're working with that uh, equine program to help educate the community and the people in that region about horsemanship. But we're also letting them know that that facility exists. It's just an absolutely wonderful facility that they've that they've built and developed up there. And then um, we are also starting a scholarship fund in the name of Van Hargis Horsemanship for uh, students there that are interested in the equine program, specializing more in the horsemanship aspect of their program. So uh, we're we're very excited to go up there and get these things resolved and and uh, get this program kicked off with you know with a big boost and really excited about it and we really are going to encourage people to to look into that program and help us uh, make it as successful as it can be. Yeah, we live not too far from Texas A and M Commerce from the school and my husband actually and my son both got degrees there and so we're up in that area all the time and I've seen 
from the road some of their facility and it's really really nice and I actually visited it once looking at somebody you know for for riding lessons and they've got a great facility up there I don't know a lot about the program but for people who aren't in Texas and maybe don't know about it the this university actually has an equine program yes and then what's cool about it is, is that many many years ago even prior to me going to school there they had a fairly good equine program and like a lot of things things change focus on different areas of study changes. And, you know, there's an old adage in anything with, with business involving state funds, you dance with who brung you, so to speak. And there just wasn't enough interest in the equine program back in that day and time to keep it going. So it kind of fizzled out and they just gradually started getting more and more interest in that. And before you know it, um, when East Texas State University joined the A&M system and changed the name of the school to Texas A&M Commerce, they kind of brought some of that funding back into that region. And as you know, that North Texas region is like the horse capital of the United States. It's just crazy how many horse trainers and how many horse-related businesses there are from, say, Commerce all the way over into Gainesville and beyond. It's just that North Texas region is just huge in the horse industry. So it made just really good sense for them to reincorporate that program there and make it in a four-year program because there's a few two-year programs are in the area, but there just wasn't a four-year program. And I think they've done a wonderful job of recruiting, getting students to come in there, and at the same time, expanding the program to make it easy to recruit. And now they're really working hard to uh, continually improve the substance of the program, which in turn uh, generates more interest. And, and I, I just can't begin to express how excited we are to be a part of it. And I'm, I'm so excited that that they thought of me and invited me to be a part of the advisory council. And, uh, and, and of course, that just gave me an opportunity to give back to the university that gave so much to me. I mean, they, they not only allowed me to play football there, but uh, I learned things there education-wise that I otherwise wouldn't have. And, and obviously, just because of my gratitude toward them, we're just ecstatic about being able to assist in whatever way we can in any sort of scholarship program. And since the equine industry has been so good to me, we want to help obviously, in that in that area, if at all possible. Sure, that makes sense. Well, maybe we can put a link to the website about their program into the show notes for this, for this episode. So if people want to learn more about the program, as well as what you're doing there, they can maybe find that. Come, and come see us at the clinic. Woo, yeah. That's going to be fun. So, you know, we usually talk about this at the end, and we probably will again. But, yeah, watch the website. Watch the, the calendar there. They they put Van's schedule on the website so you can see when and where he's going to be, including this particular event. So interesting. Well, I, but I don't think that's what this episode is about. That's not what you had in mind. That was all a freebie. <laughs> that was all a freebie. Well, today, Laura, what I wanted to visit about is, um, you know, from time to time on our podcast, we mention people sending in questions, concerns, and things they would like to see us address on here. And a particular topic that's come up a couple of times uh, has been kind of odd that it was brought up, I guess, a couple of times in a short period of time, but it was like connections on their reins. And the question that was specifically was, Van, do you use snaps on your reins? In other words, attaching your rein to your bit. And, um, and if so, what kind do you recommend? And if not, why? And that sort of thing. So today's title of this podcast is going to be called Oh Snap. And <laughs> I wanted to address just that topic. And to be quite honest, Laura, I'm just not a big fan of metal on metal. So if we have a bit and our bit, you know, rings or whatever you want to call that, we're going to attach the, the, the range to the bit. I just don't like the idea of attaching 
a metal bit to a metal snapper, vice versa. It, there's there's several reasons for it, but the number one thing for me is that is I like minimal amount of movement there. I want a freedom of movement, but I want minimal amount of minimal amount of movement so that it doesn't become a distraction to my horse. And um, and and to me also, I like that that softer aspect of the connection. So to answer the question just really short, the answer is no. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of it at all. And I understand why a lot of people do it. A lot of people will apply various types of snaps, and usually the type of snap you will see is what they call a trigger snap. It's a little round snap that when you pull a little trigger, it opens up, and when you release the trigger, it closes back, and it's not real big. Oftentimes, they're made out of brass or stainless steel so that they last a while, and of course, they're way strong for what they're used for. I mean, I wouldn't use it to tie a horse up with, but um, they're way strong for just being attached to reins. But I'm just not a fan of it because of that metal feel. And the reason that people resort to using snaps is for basically just their own personal convenience. They feel like, well, if I put a snap on here, I can change my reins out. I can change from maybe a split rein to a roping rein or a loop rein, or I can switch from a long rein to a short rein. So they like it because it's it's quicker and it's more convenient. Some people also like to attach a snap on one side, especially so that if they get off and they want to tie their horse up, which I never, ever, ever think is a good idea to ever tie your horse up with, with your bridle reins. And we'll get into that in a moment, but they'll, they'll put a snap on one side so they can unsnap it, take it off their horse's neck and then tie that end of the other rein to an object of some sort. And I just don't think that's a good idea. So I understand why people do it, but the reason that, that, we talk about horsemanship is not just about our own personal conveniences, but also the comfort and the convenience and the care of our partner. In this case, it's a horse. And we have to realize that everything that we do with our reins through the snap and to the bit is our communication to the horse. That is a primary link. A primary concern of communication is through our hands, reins, and bit. And to me, that metal-on-metal connection is just not a good, smooth transition of communication. So um, for that reason, I'm just not not a big fan of it. Well, okay, so I, I get that. I mean, I'm picturing in my head what that looks like and the fact that if you've got a snap on the end of the rein, then you know, it slides real easily on the thing and it, and it is on the, the loop there, whatever you call that (laughs) on the, on the bit. And, and it's easier for changing them out for the, the ignorant people like me who might be listening. And I'm sure your listeners are much smarter and more experienced than I am. Uh, maybe describe what's the alternative. If you can't snap it on and off, how do you get your reins on and off? Well, like in the, in most reins, like for example, there's a, another big popular rain type there is today of some sort of nylon or similar material. And people like that because it comes in a huge variety of colors. You can get it braided and all sorts of cool stuff. And so nylon is extremely popular and it's also very extremely popular with, um, you know, with the younger generation. They like to kind of have everything match. So they had their saddle pad match their bridle reins, which matches their splint boots. And They'll even paint stars or hearts or different designs on their horse's butt with painted glitter. And so I can understand, you know, needing the the combination of colors to kind of make them and their horses kind of stand out. You know, that's it's kind of fun to see that. It's not necessarily real traditional, but yet it's kind of fun to see that enthusiasm with some folks. So th- those nylon 
type of rains usually have a loop on there. And then that loop kind of weaves its way back through a buckle. And that buckle is what attaches the rain and that bit together. So that's one alternative is just to direct to, to connect the rain directly to the bit as opposed to a snap and then to the bit. That's one alternative. Another thing is on, um, oh, like on leather reins, they have what we call a water loop on the end of it. I don't know exactly why they call it a water loop, unless it's because when in the old days when we had our horses bitted up and you're riding them all day and you pulled up to either a big water trough or a, a creek or a pond or someplace where a horse could get water, you would just walk the horse over, let them get down and get a drink of water. And of course, that lower part of the bit and of course, the very end of the rain would be in the water as well. And because it's just an independent little loop down there that attaches on to the rain itself, that if it ever got rotted or whatever the case may be um, from being dunked in the water a lot over time, then that little bitty piece could be, could be changed out. But that's called a water loop. And the water loop, again, goes through the end of the bit and then reattaches back onto the rain. That is by far most people's favorite type of connection to the, to the reins. The reason why is because of the loop itself, it's a lot of freedom of movement. The bit or the, yeah, the bit doesn't restrict the movement of the rain at all. It's, it's very free. But the other part of it, in my opinion, is it's leather. Therefore, it's a slower type connection from the bit to my hands. Slower is always better when it comes to communication with our horses. And at the same time, leather will stretch, whereas nylon won't. And uh, leather will stretch, whereas metal won't. So it's just a softer, smoother type connection. So those are two of the alternatives, and both of which are direct connect as opposed to connect through a snap of some sort. So that is probably the most popular type of, of alternative and by far my favorite. I I specifically like leather on almost everything that I do. Uh, number one, I, I personally, in my reins, whether it be a loop rein or a split rein, feel of leather in my hand just feels good. It's something I've been used to since I was a little kid, so obviously that familiarity feels good to me, but leather always just kind of feels good to me. When, it's, when leather's taken care of, it will last virtually forever. I mean, I've had reins that are 20, 25 years old, and I'm still using them. And it's just that I, I take decent care of them. We, we oil our reins regularly and, and uh, take good care of them. So leather will last every bit as long as a nylon rein or otherwise. And of course, I like that more traditional look of leather. But the thing that I like about leather the most is the feel to the horse. It's, uh, it's again, what I call a slower connection. If I ever really have to take a hold of a horse and really pull on them for whatever that reason may be, that leather will have just a little bit of elasticity and a little bit of give, whereas there's absolutely no way that any sort of nylon type material will have that same type of give. So it's it's just more rigid in contact. It doesn't stretch. And I want something that's going to have just a wee bit of elasticity to it so that I can send that softer, at least as, even when I'm getting pretty abrupt, I'm having to scold a horse, which is very rarely that I'll do so by pulling on them very hard. But if I ever do, I know that, that that pull is being minimized as much as possible by the elasticity of that leather rein. So that tends to be my favorite and my favorite type of connection. And so, you know, when you're thinking about this issue, this, you know, why people choose uh, a metal or a snap rather than leather as being something that's more convenient to them, what do you tell the people that come to you and are getting their gear set up? Well, 
the most important thing I tell them is I'll give them, you know, the best advice that I possibly can, but I'm just one guy, right? So it's oftentimes it just sounds like it's just one man's opinion if I share with them what I might do or what I might recommend. So one thing that I, I tell people to do a lot is go watch truly successful horse people. And, and, and let me describe that too. And, and sometimes successful may not necessarily be their correct word because everybody's definition of success might be different. But let's just say the most accomplished type horse people. Go to like a major horse show. Just go visit a major horse show. Or go visit a competitor that you may know in your area that, don't, that goes and competes in major type horse shows and just sneak by their tack room and just take a look and visit with them at their trailer when they're tacking their horses up, getting ready to go compete or go visit their stall if they're already at an event and watch as they tack their horses up. And, and there's an old Zig Ziglar quote that I just absolutely love. And it's called, if you want to be successful, do what successful people do. So you watch and observe those people who are truly more successful and most respected in their respected industries and look at what they're doing. And, and I've been in this industry for a very, very long time, more longer than <laughs> I care to remember sometimes. But I look back and I think of all the best trainers that I've had the opportunity to work with. And almost all of them, I can't think of a single one except for in just in one, a couple of di different disciplines that would do anything but connect directly to the rain to the bit. And there's um, either through that direct water loop type thing we were talking about before on the end of a leather rain or um, and like in some of the barrel racer types, they would connect the nylon rain, which they might sometimes prefer for various reasons, but they would connect it direct and they would minimize that floppy metal on metal feel to their horse. So if, even if they don't want to take my word for it, go look around and watch people who are really, really good at what they're doing. Now, the reason I say to be careful when you look at somebody that's successful, and, and you'll probably relate to this to some degree, just because somebody's owned horses for 25 years doesn't make that person a success. It might mean they're a great success at keeping horses alive for 25 years, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're a good horseman. It doesn't mean they're a good trainer. It doesn't mean they they're doing really, really well with their horses. So that's why I say be very careful when you look at who your quote unquote expert is. Look at your truly successful type person and look and observe the equipment, the type of equipment, and how that equipment is connected. Because those people don't do what they do by accident. They do what they do, not for convenience, but they do what they do because it's helped make them successful. And um, so I love that quote by Zig Ziglar. I apply that quote a lot to a lot of different areas even in my equipment selection. So if you want to be successful, do what successful people do. Well, since we're talking about the, the difference, I guess, between the things that are done for convenience versus the things that are best for the horse, are there other things besides snaps on the reins that you see people doing that you would kind of categorize as this convenience, this kind of short, cutty way of, of dealing with things as opposed to what's better for the horse? Yeah. You know, and another thing that I think of pretty regularly, and it's just one of these things now I just can't help but to observe. So whenever someone, you know, leads a horse up to me and they've already got them tacked up, I'm not being critical, but yet I just can't help myself to kind of go through and do it a very quick evaluation. I look at their head stalls. I look at the bits. I look at how the bits adjusted in the horse's mouth. I look at the curb chains and the curb straps. I look at the bit connections. I look at the rain and the rain selection. And I just gradually just keep working my way back until I get to the saddle. And I look at the saddles. I look at the saddle pads. 
I look at the off billet on the, you know, the far side of the horse, what connects the saddle to the cinch. I look at the cinch and then I look at the tie straps and it's usually right there to where I start seeing some more inconsistencies and some things that I truly want to ask my, my customers or my clients, what made you decide on that particular setup? And I'll start with that cinch area. So many times I see people will put all like on the off billet side, in other words, on the, on the right side of the horse's saddle, people will see a leather, what they call an off billet. And it's that leather strap that connects to this, the, the saddle to the cinch, that little piece of leather in that area. And there's a couple of different varieties, but they're what they call a half breed. And then there's like that standard type. The half breed is one that looks more like a longer strap and it's sometimes double. The other one is just more of a direct. It's just like a double strap and it just comes down and hangs down and, and you just make really little different adjustments. What I like about the half breed is, is that it's, it's almost has infinite number of adjustments. So I like that. I like, I like personally having the convenience of that, but most importantly is the material that it's selected. And I, again, I'm always really big on trying to keep my horses very, very comfortable and uh, a comfortable horse will generally work better. A comfortable horse will be less distracted uh, in almost everything that we ask them to do. So obviously comfort is very, very important to me. It allows me to, to make sure that my communication is going more in the direction that I want rather than having to fight through various distractions and especially distractions that are caused by discomfort. So that off billet, Laura, I like for that off billet to also be leather. It's extremely popular for people to see nylon, but just like we mentioned earlier with a nylon rain, I've got nothing against them, but yet we know that nylon doesn't stretch. So I just know that when something is rigid, it doesn't give, it doesn't stretch, and you're cinching it up pretty darn tight. Now that makes it very tight around the horse's heart girth area. And behind all that heart girth area is the horse's lungs. Therefore, whenever they're breathing, they need to be able to expand their chest. They need to expand that heart girth area. And it's very difficult for them to do that fully and comfortably when that is rigid. Now we'll see, sometimes you'll see leather on that side and then you'll have a cinch, which is a whole nother deal. And then on the tie strap side, in other words, back on the left side of the horse's uh, side, people will oftentimes use nylon over there and they'll use nylon on that side because they'll say, well, the nylon is pretty or it lasts longer. I don't have to worry about it rotting, which it doesn't, it doesn't rot. Um, and it slides smoother. Therefore I can get my, my saddle tighter, easier with a less effort on my part. And again, my problem with that is that, yep, that's all those considerations are good from your perspective, but it doesn't give, it doesn't expand when the horse needs to expand. And granted, leather doesn't expand much, but it does give and expand a little. And that sometimes that's all it needs to add just that little bit more comfort to the horse. Mm. Now, here's one thing that I personally just absolutely insist on with my students. If they're going to come and ride with me, I'm going to keep bugging them until they make a few little minor changes. If they prefer a nylon off billet, in other words, the tie strap thing that's on the right side of the horse, and if they prefer a nylon tie strap, the strap that's on the left side, then I'm going to almost insist that they put a mohair or some sort of material non-nylon uh, cinch strap. And the reason why is because if they've got nylon on one side, doesn't stretch, then they've got a cinch strap that doesn't stretch, and then they've got a tie strap on the other side that doesn't stretch. Now the horse has 
absolutely no way to expand his lungs. Hmm. And so he's trying to give, he's trying to breathe, he's trying to do the best job you, you want him to do, but he just can't quite get comfortable. And now you can just imagine, what if somebody wanted you to do something that you might even think is fun, that you might even really enjoy, but while they want you to do it, they're going to compress your chest and not let you breathe while you're doing it. And then if you don't do it, they're going to encourage you, to put it mildly, to do it and perform it by maybe spanking you on the butt or doing some sort of other means of motivation and encouragement. But meanwhile, as much as you would love to do it, you say, I just can't because I can't breathe while I'm doing that. So you see now we're sometimes just our equipment selection can cause some anxiety and some behavioral issues with our horses. So if somebody is going to insist on having nylon on one side, nylon on the other side, at least make the bigger part, the cinch area, stretch. So that's why I like more natural materials there, such as mohair or otherwise. Now, in my world, uh, because I ride you know, sometimes a variety of horses in one day, and um, I like a nylon, kind of a neoprene-type cinch. But we just got through saying that nylon doesn't stretch, Van. Well, you're right. It sure doesn't. But if I'm going to ride with my neoprene cinches and my nylon cinches, then I make darn sure that both the tie strap as well as the off-billet strap are leather, and therefore my horse can expand their lungs a little bit through that. Now, the question might be, well, why why do you use nylon? Why do you use neoprene? The reason I do is that I learned a long time ago that oftentimes where horses sweat a lot, uh, they're going to sometimes get some sort of skin irritation, and sometimes that irritation can result in a fungus. And then that fungus can be passed from one horse to the next very easily. So what I like about nylon, if I ever do sense that a horse is getting a little bit of a, a girth rash or a, or a fungus there in that cinch area, then I will wipe down that cinch with something that's antibacterial and antifungal. And by the time I get the next horse saddled, that cinch is clean and it's sterile and it's not going to pass on that, that disease or that fungus to another horse. So that's why I use the nylon as opposed to neoprene. Um, a lot of folks will use oh, like a mohair type cinch or some sort of more natural type fibers for their cinches. And regardless of the fact they may ride several horses a day, but they watch very carefully to make sure that the horse doesn't have any kind of irritation in that cinch area. And they also wash their cinches a lot, and which is all good practice. But again, it's more labor intensive. So what I've found over the years, I can kind of get the best of both worlds, that comfort, keep my horse nice and comfortable with nylon, or I'm sorry, with the leather off billet, leather tie strap, and still get away with my nylon cinch if I just take really good care of that cinch by making sure I don't pass uh, something on by keeping it clean. So that's always something that I'm thinking about is that I'm not opposed to those nylon products. And and in fact, in in some people's cases, I strongly encourage it because they're not good about maintaining their, their equipment. Therefore, you know, maintenance free is, is good, but just keep in mind the effect that it may have on your horse and keep in mind that if that effect is negative, then you're probably going to, you probably may end up having to deal with a behavioral issue later because of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm personally, I'm just, I'm a big fan of most leather type stuff. I, I think it's a little bit more traditional. I think it's, it's kind of good for our culture, but at the same time, I also like the feel uh, to me and also like the the response that my horses get with it because I know that I'm doing everything in my power to make them as comfortable as I possibly can. Okay. So if if I'm sort of putting all this together, hearing what you're saying, that 
there's there's nothing wrong with doing certain things for your convenience as the the horseman or horsewoman but you ha- you need to keep the horse's comfort and safety of course kind of top of mind and with those things in mind the neoprene is okay for the girth if you've got the leather straps but you really don't like those metal snaps on the reins yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah and you know and the thing is too is that like for example like at my place, the, the majority of the time, especially these days, the majority of the time, our horses are being ridden in training type environments. So we're riding in the arena, we're riding out in the pasture, but the horses are being schooled or they're being trained in some way. So that's why we, we have the off billets, you know, on there and they're always leather. And then we have an, uh, a nylon type cinch, for example. But whenever I know for a fact, which is rare these days, but back in the day when I used to do a lot of ranch work and do a lot of day work for other ranchers, I would always change that cinch out to a mohair type. So now, and the reason why is I'm going to be in the saddle all day and sometimes all day. I mean, literally from no see them to no see them. What that means is where you, you, you don't see the sun and you're started and then you quit when you can't see the sun again. So it's from no see them to no see them you, that you're oftentimes out there riding your horses on, on those uh, ranch gigs. So as a result of that, I wanted that horse to be as comfortable as I could. So I would change out my nylon cinch. For a mohair type cinch. Now, every aspect of what it's going to take to keep that saddle on is going to have some sort of elasticity and some sort of give to it, you know, because of the leather, the mohair stretching, and then the, the leather on the other side will stretch as well. So as a result, my horse is going to be as comfortable as I can make him because we're going to be out there all day. But in again, in that setting where we're not going to be doing that all day, I'm not necessarily opposed to having nylon and then with a mohair cinch or a nylon cinch, but with leather tie straps and, and off billet. Now, with that said, think about a lot of times our trail riders today. Trail riders are oftentimes in the saddle for hours compared to like a, a trainer might be on a particular horse for 30 minutes to an hour, but yet uh, a trail rider might be in the saddle all day. And because of that, I kind of compare that type of riding to me doing the day work on a ranch horse. It's, it may be an all day affair. Therefore, I just want to do everything I, and I can to make that horse comfortable. And the same thing applies to those snaps. Those snaps just jiggling and wiggling every time the horse moves. There's constant irritation. There's constant flopping. And of course, of course, some horses get used to it. But man, why should they? When, when there's a little bitty thing that we can do, which is just connect the rein directly, and then suddenly the horse is not having to deal with that distraction. They don't have anything they have to learn to ignore. Uh, and then at the same time, if we do have to cue them in some way with that rain, it's a softer, more gentle type connection and communication there more so than the abrupt pull of that immediate snap, you see. So those are the things that are my biggest concern is the, the safety and the comfort of my horse. And, and, and that's oftentimes just emotional. I don't want them to have to deal with a distraction. So if I can eliminate that just by doing some little minor changes on my end, and those minor changes don't adversely affect me and what it is that I do, then to me, that's the way to go for my horses. Keep them comfortable and keep them focused. Well, sure. And I guess at the end of the day, like everything else, it's a matter of being thinking about it, you know, being intentional and thoughtful about the choices you're making for your gear and like everything else that you've talked about on past episodes, not doing things just because 
the person in the stall next door does that with their horse, but, but thinking about what's best for the horse and what you're doing and why you're doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and there's all sorts of different, for those who still want me to address that question about the snaps and the, and what the alternative is, I would encourage them to go to our website and look at the things that we offer on our website. For example, there's another thing we call a slobber strap. For those of you who really like the feel of a nylon rein, um, or who like the feel of what we call a loop rein, then there's, there's another thing that we use a lot of times called a slobber strap. And that's another thick leather strap that goes through the bit. And then the loop rein itself attaches to that leather strap. And it's, again, it's just another, another tool that's soft and very communicative to the horse. And so there's so many different types of alternatives apart from using that metal on metal deal. So that's what I'd really recommend people do. Just again, if you want to be successful, do what successful people do and, and understand why they do what they do. And more times than not, they're doing it because they're, they're having good luck and communication. And it's been something that's been consistent in their communication with their horses. And it's something that, uh, that they've learned that uh, enhances communication instead of works through a distraction for communication. Well, there you are. So interesting. It, these are things that I guess I hadn't really thought about until until you brought this topic up for this episode. And I'm guessing there may be people listening who have questions, follow-up questions about the choice of reins and the choice of connections and all these other things. And as always, I encourage people to send their, their questions to Van because I know you like questions. And whether we answer them in an upcoming episode or whether he replies to you directly, you're always welcome to send questions. Either, you know, you can post a question in the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page or just email your question to Van at info at vanhargis.com. And he'll be watching for those. He, as far as I know, reads every email that comes in. We'll, we'll reply one way or the other. Anything coming up? We, we talked a little bit at the beginning, so maybe there's nothing else new. But just in case, Van, anything else you want to mention to, before we wrap up? Well, I'd love for people to visit our website, check out our clinic schedule. We've got clinics coming up in Canada, Tennessee, uh, Commerce, Texas, which is Northeast Texas area. Those are the ones that are coming up most quickly, and we really encourage people that if you're in that region to come by and say hi to us and um, follow us uh, to those things. And and um, I, I love it when people necessarily can't bring their horses, but they still come out and audit. There's always something for them to see and learn uh, there. And, and if nothing else, just give us something else to visit and talk about. So I really encourage people to go to our website and check out our clinic schedule and come by and see us uh, if at all possible. But Laura, I also want to give a big shout out to some folks who have come on board and uh, helping us out nowadays and bringing the podcast to you, one of which is called Equirax. I ran across these guys oh, some time back. We were up at the Denver market, which is like this huge, big place where anything and everything that you've ever seen involved, involving in the horse industries is sold through that Denver market. Um, it's where manufacturers go and show off all their new stuff and then retailers all over the world go and start putting that, that stuff uh, in their stores or catalogs, whatever it may be. But Equirax is this organization that focuses on building saddle racks, bridle racks, everything you could possibly imagine for your tack room, your trailer, to, to properly store and take care of your saddles, your saddle pads, your saddle blankets, and your bridles, your reins. It's just amazing. And um, I, I'm just amazed at what they do with their stuff. And now they're helping us out 
because a lot of folks uh, may not be aware, but we are completely re- rebuilding a ranch down here, and we've just finished our new tack room, and we put all new equirax type stuff in that tack room. And I think it looks uh, number one, it looks great. I love having all my stuff organized, so I highly recommend people go and visit with uh, equirax, and they can find their link on our website as well. Of course, we mentioned earlier our affiliation with. Texas A&M Commerce. I'm not only on the advisory council there, but we're doing things to help support their scholarship. And uh, we would love for people to check out our website from time to time on links on how they can learn more about the Texas A&M Commerce uh, equine program. If you're a young folk and you'd like to consider Texas A&M Commerce as maybe a career choice, in other words, or just to, to get an education in the equine program so that you could hopefully go into the equine program later as a career. We would love to have you check that out. And of course, another thing, Laura, if you can remember back when you used to ride at our place a lot, I was anal about having my arena dragged and I liked my lines being perfectly straight down the middle of the mm-hmm. arena. I liked it all to be level and I would throw a shoe if somebody got out there and messed up my dirt before I had a chance to mess it up. Well, what always made it so easy for me to, to do that was my arena drag, of course. And I've got to tell you, I used to take that thing for granted. I'd just hook onto it and take off and do whatever I was doing. And when several years back, that thing got stolen mm. off my off my place. When I, I left a lot of my equipment up there in North Texas when I moved down here to South Texas, and I go back up there one time and a lot of my stuff come up missing. I had uh, my arena drag was missing. I had a rope and dummy missing. I had a welder missing. So mainly because I just had that Northeast Texas mentality where you just don't lock doors and you just don't lock gates. Well, someone helped themselves to it. Well, one of the things they got from me that I didn't realize how important it was to me until it was gone was my darn arena drag. Well, Randy Snodgrass of, of Snodgrass Equipment had built several years ago this thing called an arena works. And it was incredibly weird looking for the day and time. And what it was, it was a round arena drag. And as you pull it, it rotates and spins in the background behind your tractor. And uh, I bought it mainly because I saw a video of it many years ago, and I liked it, and, and it worked. And I used it literally every day, sometimes twice and sometimes three times a day because I loved having my arena worked up. I loved having it level. I loved having it fluffy. And uh, so I, I was always using that darn thing. Well, when it got stolen, I was lost. I was like, man, I, I don't have any good way of working at my arena. Well, I just happened to send an email an email to Randy sometime back, and I explained to him that, man, I sure miss my arena drag. And he called me up and he said, Dan, I'm going to send you one. Now, is that not wow. respect for you know old, longtime customer? He said, I know how you feel. I'm going to send you one. And I just want to give a shout out to uh, Randy Snodgrass and, and Snodgrass Equipment because it's it's businesses like that that make the horse industry a family to be a part of. He he basically just took care of me, just being a longtime customer. I've never had any working relationship with him or anything, but I, it just it just made me feel. I really got, I got choked up, and he said he was going to send me one of those arena drags, and it just made me feel like number one, I'm going to get to get reunited with an old friend, my arena drag, <laughs> and number two, I kind of got choked up because of the fact that uh, somebody in our industry thinks enough of the guys that are using those types of tools, and we appreciate those types of tools. Thinks enough of us to. Uh, to make it possible for us to do what we do. And I, I just wanted to give him a shout out and people can find that link on our website as well. It's not grass equipment. But um, with that said, Laura, I just want to say thanks to everybody for listening. Cause if it wasn't for all of those people and all the listeners, 
we couldn't do what we do and and you wouldn't I, I wouldn't be able to share my passion with people Laura and, and you know as well as I am I'm extremely passionate about what we do I love helping people I love teaching I love educating people I love motivating people and um, so I want to say a big thank you to our listeners and always remember that until next time it's your ride it's your trail it's your journey so ride every stride. Mm-hmm.